All right, I'm recording. Okay. All right, we're recording now. All right, all right. So go ahead, go ahead. Just all right. Finish your thought. What were we going to say? Yeah. So, I mean, I was, um, as is often the case, I hang out way too much on Twitter and I was, I follow a bunch of different people, by anybody, I follow everybody. And uh, one of them is a man who is a, uh, uh, who remain unnamed, but he's a, you know, an anti um, national Iranian American council activist. And so yeah, I was scrolling through and all of a sudden I saw your face and then Mazda Brani and you guys were beating the drums and, and doing the whole, like, uh, you know, the chant from last, uh, last Saturday. Yeah. And he was like, welcome to the, welcome to the right side or the privacy. It was like, basically, thanks for leaving the dark side to, to Maz. <laughs> and I was like, it's, yeah, oh it's so funny. You mentioned that because literally just before, uh, just before right now, my, my aunt just shot me a screenshot of that exact Twitter yeah yeah and it's like yeah welcome like welcome to the side of the people or something like that yeah and but then he like then he proceeded to continue to roast him and i was like uh you just like delegitimized <laughs> yourself i mean not really i mean look everybody has a strong opinion about this movement which is yeah. i think why it's gonna win but um but you know if everybody just has their own opinion forever and never is able to find a way to compromise then then that could be a problem but um, I can maybe get into that more. <laughs> yeah, Iranians. I, I was laughing. I was like, "Hey, I know that guy." That's so funny. <laughs> like, I, I just honestly, man, I just, it's surreal to me because I'm looking at like, because I post, I took that video on my phone, you know, at, as I was yeah. filming with my with my Sony camera. I literally had the iPhone in one hand and my Sony on the other. I and, saw it when it happened, but I was in the background playing the speakers. Yeah. I wasn't in, and so I was facing you all and you were facing me. And I, I was like weird to see it then from different angles. It was pretty cool. But yeah, uh, well, I, I positioned myself to kind of get a really good good angle and a good shot of him because I don't know yeah. who it's gonna be. I just knew that okay, I, I heard there was gonna be like a special surprise guest. And I was like, yeah, it'd be so I figured I'd and let me position myself in the middle because I don't know if they're gonna come from this way or this way. And um he starts to come and I just like try to like try to get close to him just so I could get my shot. And he's he's like kind of fumbling with the megaphone that I brought. <laughs> so I, everyone's having problem with this megaphone. So I'm like, I'm like to the rescue trying to like help him out with it. And then they bring the microphone and then I take the megaphone from him. So literally I have my megaphone, my camera and my iPhone, like all I'm just a complete <laughs> mess. That that and, whole thing became like a, a shtick for him because I went to his um he had a he had a last minute comedy show in Upper East Side. Yeah, I saw. Um, I wasn't. I Sunday. didn't know about that. I, and I he, um, I yeah, I mean, it was a last minute purchase for me. But um, <laughs> he made a whole spiel about it. He was like, "I went to this thing, and I thought it was going to be a nice stage and security, and all of a sudden I'm in the middle of like 500 people chanting, you know, down with the dictator." And I was like, "All right, well, here we go." <laughs> That's and then so some funny. guy was handing me a megaphone. I was like, I know that person. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully, so hopefully, cool. hopefully, hopefully this, this, uh, this platform will reach to his people and then we'll get him on the show too, because it'll be cool to talk to him. I mean, we kind of connected for like a, like a quick second. Yeah. Um, you know, but I mean, you know, he, this guy is like running around. He's, he's busy. So I'm just kind of, I hope, I hope you can get him on because I have a feeling he probably has some, I, I think that he's probably ready to correct the record a little bit because yeah. I feel like he's one of those casualties of war. And when it comes to this, like inter, you know, this sort of 
and rightfully so this kind of like civil war within the iranian diaspora yeah. over yeah. like who's who, purity tests and who's with who and who's like who's still with the regime and who's not and i mean i don't have a problem with that i just think it has to be hashed out and sooner yeah. rather than later right yeah yeah i mean and, and it's it's a psychological actual it's actually uh beneficial from a psychological perspective to really clear out um any elephants in the room before um before it gets worse i mean this is this is true of even like marital relationships if you want to like if there is conflict between you and your spouse you want to address it right away without having to because it piles up and then yeah. it's blowing in your face so it's really good this is the reason why i started this whole thing right is to, is to have an open dialogue have an open discussion have different mm -hmm. perspectives different opinions and um and then at, we then we met right we met at one of these things and do, do you remember the first thing i said to you i think you said it's really hard to get in the city from long island <laughs> no, that, no i think that was after that was like, second the first <laughs> so the first thing and you might you might recall this the first thing i said to you you gave a very very beautiful speech um uh i think it was the 15th about yeah, that? the October fifteenth. That was the first first time I've ever spoke publicly about this, uh, about the about the whole thing. Yeah, and you you got up because everyone was using my sound equipment, right? So they I I gave it to you. You said you had a speech. You had like a paper and everything all set up. So gave it to you, and then after your speech, I thanked you. I was like, it was very beautiful, very nice words. And I said to you, I was like, we need more white people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, like, I've, got myself, people. I've got myself in trouble, though, by constantly maybe a little too much emphasizing the white, because as you know, and this, you'll laugh at this, um, a good friend of mine who's also a, um, you know, a white American man married to an Iranian woman, right. um, he went to a wedding one time and there was, uh, he said, he told me this famous story where there was this girl there trying to dance Persian and she was clearly like, you know, um, Anglo-Saxon descent. And, and she's like said to some lady, look, you know, white people can dance too. And this older Persian lady was like, we are white too. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that's my, that's my famous, like, uh, yeah. but you know, so I have to be a little careful about that because there's some sensitivity amongst, I think the middle Eastern community in the U S over like, not really having a place in a census and like what do you check the box yeah, they yeah. started to but anyway yeah i know what you meant which was basically americans of non-iranian descent right need to be a part of the movement and you're totally right and that's like actually one of my real passions is to try to try to communicate um concepts that i know really well from years of study and also just from personal relationships and um you know to make them uh understandable in an idiom that americans will get yeah right? and i think there are there are a lot of iranians you know like yourself right who grew up here who speak well, i was born and, here yeah and there's a I lot i met a bunch so... But I think that um, maybe it's just the optics, right? And maybe it's just the optics. Like, you know, it's kind of like, it, you know, when I used to, I speak Arabic. I learned Arabic many years ago. And, and so I go to like a country where the native language is Arabic and I'm speaking pretty fluently, like a Syrian Lebanese dialect. 
Mm-hmm. And people are always kind of like, well, but where are you really from? Right? Yeah, <laughs> even yeah. the, even no matter how good the accent. Now, I'll never be like native fluent, but right. um, it's always kind of like, and I think that I, I, I suspect that a lot of the, you know, Iranian American community kind of in encounters that, right? Because you know, unfortunately, people judge a book by its cover a lot of times, and that oh it's, yeah, but everyone does. Fair, but you know, everyone does, and and in our culture, especially in our culture, and I, and I said this before, and I say that again, I'll say this till I die, uh, until it gets better. I mean, our culture is very, very flawed. It's very, very flawed. It's more flawed than it is. I mean, it's but it's beautiful. It's so so beautiful. I mean, I could list the uh, countless ways how it's great. But at the same time, I say it with a double-edged sword because, you know, the Leviathan Acts cuts both ways. And yeah. if we're not willing to address, why settle for good when we can be great? You know? Yeah. And the best way to do that is addressing addressing some uncomfortable truths about, about our culture. And, you know, maybe it's it digs a little deep, but so what? It's going to make you better for it. Yeah. Um, you know, we're very suspicious as a culture, you know, very suspicious. I mean, you know, we believe in the evil eye. We believe in, you know, certain, you know, just certain superstitions and just it is what it is. I, mean, yeah. I, don't, know, I don't know. Maybe it could be resolved. Maybe it can't. Who knows? I mean, I just I think I that's the thing that makes humans so beautiful, right? Is like the, mm-hmm. the incredible diversity, right? Is it like every culture has this kind of like these blind spots mm-hmm. and, you know, Americans like myself that are, you know mixed descent you know like partially hungarian partially french german partially british welsh you know maybe it it like moderates some of that those hang-ups but but then again maybe not right if we're so in i'm so i feel like i'm so influenced by where i grew up and you know i'm like a rabid philadelphia sports fan and like still have that (laughs) accent and um, heartbroken over the Phillies, you know, but you know, it is what it is. Maybe the Eagles will do it this year, but, um, yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, you know, it's whatever, you know, but, but, uh, but I think that, that like self-criticism is so hard. Um, it's yeah, harder yeah. than anything else. And like, but I think that's, it has to happen for internally, right? Like if I come in and start criticizing, then it's like public enemy number one, forget Oh it. yeah. Yeah. I, I, and you know, so I don't know. I mean, do I do that sometimes probably and get myself in trouble? Yeah. I mean, I'm a human, you know, I make mistakes, yeah. but um trying to be sensitive to that. And I think, I think the Iranian community is so interesting though, because they're so tied to their history and their homeland and their culture, mm-hmm. even when they're born here, but like, um, I think there's just like, uh, especially in the last 50 years, there's this like major um, traumatic shared experience. Like, so like I've talked to people who were like here in the U S and all of a sudden the 79 revolution happened and they never went back and they never expected not to go back. So like, that's like a really sad traumatic thing. Like I remember I was living in Jordan 20 years ago and um, it was exactly 20 years ago I left and I had a plan to return the mm-hmm. following year. And then abruptly my chan- my plans changed and I never really got to say goodbye to all these people that wow. I'd spent years and were some of my best friends. Wow. And that was really a painful thing. It took a long time to get over that. And like, 
even to the point where when I did go back 10 years later, I was going down those same streets looking for their houses, oh. trying to find people, you know? And like, I imagine like that's such a minor example compared to what somebody that was like in their 40s or 30s. Yeah. And all of a sudden they're trapped outside of their homeland that they love. And Persians love Iran, like Iranians, I say. Yeah. They I mean, love it, Iran, you know? It's such a beautiful, rich country in every sense. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's got its natural natural resources, but just like from a, you know, from a traveler's perspective, from an inspirational perspective, the culture, the 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 people, the food, you know, I mean, just just like the overall vibe is really really good. It's so unique and good. It, it honestly, if if they can, you know, restructure and reorganize their government in a way that can become part of like the international stage in a cooperative way. It it will be tr- better than what it was in the seventies. I have I have a feeling, or at least my goal and my vision for this would be to try to maybe. I would love to see like a second renaissance happen in like the Middle East. You know, like a new golden age of like Iran. You know, I think, architecture, yeah. you know, technology. Like you get the all that brain power that has been suppressed from art, from culture to food. I mean, imagine direct flights from JFK to Tehran, the Michelin guides now being awarded in Tehran, you know, yeah. diamond awards being in like the hotels, you know, ski resorts, the quiche islands are putting up a Ritz Carlton. I mean, like, why not? This is what I see, like a new Burning Man festival out it's there. Totally achievable. It's actually achievable. like, yeah. it's so incredibly achievable uh, uh, in terms of like human capital. That's the other thing I was, I, I was thinking about. It's so like, rich. All these people came here and kind of found themselves in exile, whether they wanted to be or not, but they all have these different traumas that they face. Like some of them are socialists or communists that face a lot of persecution from even before this regime. And others are people that face a lot of persecution because they were a part of the Shah's like cohort and then others yeah, faced all yeah. kinds of persecution because of the green movement or intern or the the struggle between you know so-called reformist elements and more uh populist elements and then others are just like workers labor unionists that have been spent years in jail see people killed in front of them i mean just like i can't i haven't i rare i would say the only and even like right i mean even before the revolution in 79 the the all the mullahs everybody's now laughing in their face and knocking their turbans off they whether they were or not they felt persecuted right oh yeah it's like like it's like one trauma just and then pain begets more pain and then everybody wants to take revenge on that person and that person then going to take revenge on the next person to me that's like the big danger yeah that's where things could really go sideways with what we're seeing now and like yeah. That's I guess that actually that's my like number one fear. For, no, uh, I I agree. It, it it's it's a dangerous cascade of trauma. It's like like almost if you ever seen um if you ever seen like a like a diagram of the way nuclear fission is formed and from a chemical from a chemical standpoint, it literally is like one atom knocking into another and it just cascades into mm-hmm. like this giant fractal. I mean, I look at I look at the trauma in Iran and it's very similar to that um it, it follows this a similar pathway and a similar pattern and you know you got you got people who are they can't even grieve they can't mm-hmm. even they, can, they don't even have the right to grieve at the loss of one i mean if it's just it's this compounded trauma 
It's compounded yeah. trauma. I mean, I, like I was born here, you know, and I've kind of like at, at a unique generational place in my life because, you know, I grew up during 9-11, you know, uh, my parents immigrated here. I was born here. And, um, you know, the the uh, Iran-Iraq war, I was like a kid. I don't even remember that. But, you know, the war in Afghanistan, the war in Iraq, like all this stuff. And I realized like at one point in my lifetime, I'm sure I'm going to see a conflict with Iran. And I'm re and I was really, really scared about that because mm -hmm. as an Iranian American, that would just rip my soul in half. Like I just mm. I wouldn't know where to be or where to do. And um, and here we are. It's like Iran is sort of at war with itself, but it's kind of like going through like a cleansing kind of period um you know it's come to the realization that you know this this government is no longer to be obeyed you know mm -hmm. their, their authority no longer matters you know whatever whatever that was kind of keeping the the psycholo the psychology of the society locked in, in in its prison like that whole stockholm syndrome is gone like we're just yeah. there's no fear anymore and yeah. it's amazing when people shed that fear and then there's a really amazing quote i think i forget who says this but we suffer more in our mind than than we do in reality. Mm, and yeah, that is, that is, I really think that's so true and deep. I always think, I wish that, I don't know how many, how widely read it is in Iran or outside of it, but I wish that every single Iranian would read this book that I'm looking at on my sh other shelf called, it called? Uh, it's Victor Frankl's uh, Man's Search for Meaning. Man's, I'll, I'll, um, I'll share, I'm a big reader. I like to read it's oh, just, it, you know, in short, he was a psychologist, a clinical psychologist in, you know, pre-Nazi Germany. He was Jewish. And, um, you know, he he was sent to the concentration camp and he, he saw his pregnant wife die and his parents die. And he came out of that prison that's that that survived. And he came out of it and he wrote one of the most amazing books that was like kind of like the basis for positive psychology. And what one of the things he, he really focuses on is this idea that hope is so critical to everything, like and not yeah. just hope, but like he's he's so deep about the idea that, you know, if you love somebody, they're never really gone. Yeah. And yeah. but the thing that I think was so that hit me so hard because of some losses in my own life was. Um, and some pain and different, you know, struggles that I've, everybody's faced, but I face certain ones. And, and there's always this tendency. And I think everybody has a tendency to think their suffering is the worst and theirs is the, is unique and theirs is worse than yours. Right. And, and I think what he said was, he said, suffering is like um, oxygen mm -hmm. and it can fill or shrink a balloon, but it, it, everyone's suffering is unique. But you can't say that one's is more or less important than yours because each one's is each it's its own. It's its own thing. Right. And I think any, but he, the, the main thing he just said was like that you can come out with love for people and you really emphasize the idea of love. And I think that I hope, I really hope that when all this, this convulsions and everything in Iran is going on and the dust settles that you know, um, a really deep and pervasive love would fill that entire community. Mm -hmm. And with love would come that um, forgiveness yeah. for people that now forgiveness doesn't mean people don't need to go to jail. And it's possible that oh. depending on what they determine, some people may 
get executed. Although I'm, I'm personally think that that's, I think it's worse than somebody has to sit in jail for the rest of their life than be executed personally. But, um, but you know, but at the same time, not determine, not deciding that because I suffered, I have to make someone else suffer more again, again, because then you're just back in that cycle of violence, begetting violence. And this is like my big dream for Iran, because I, I'm just a huge believer in, um, nonviolent conflict and civil disobedience and uh the kind of the beloved community of, of martin luther king jr or or the the same thing that gandhi was trying to do um sadly he died before he could kind of complete the mission and that of course then we know it became disaster between muslims and hindus in india but yeah. nelson mandela completed the mission but he had to spend 30 years in prison to do it how yeah. in the world could somebody spend 30 years in prison and get out and not take total revenge on the people that oppressed him and that i think is a question everybody needs to ask themselves yeah like think beyond the present and think so when i'm facing that sepahi person or that besiege or that that you know policeman that was sexually harassing me or whatever it was you know am i gonna am i gonna stick a knife in his heart and then cause the grieving for his family too and then their their kids are gonna grow up hating me and we're gonna have the same cycle Mm-hmm. And I, I hate to be that blunt because I don't know if I would be able to do that. I'm yeah. not saying that I'm, yeah, I'm like some like prophet or something. I, right, right. I, mean, I don't know if I would, but I'm, I think that's the, that's the dream, right? That's, well, that's right. my dream anyway. No, it's, it, that's, 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 that's very, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, hurt people hurt people. Yeah. You know, right. and, and, but at the same time, when, it's hard to say in that moment, you know, it's in those moments of, you know, those moments of truth. They're like, all right, well, I got the gun in my hand. Can I pull the trigger on this or not? And, you know, I, I think if I think a lot of a lot of the conflict is because, you know, we the 79 revolution was sold a bad idea. You know, they were mm-hmm. sold. There was they were they, they, they were sold. They were sold snake oil essentially mm-hmm. they bait they were baited and switched yeah the resentment mm-hmm. of that ideology per- permeates and resonates amongst the different generations and that's kind of what we're seeing today and i think the only way to and people have this misconception and this is the the mis mis yeah the misconception that that you have to fight bad ideas with bullets mm-hmm. you only fight bad ideas with better ideas yeah it's the only way it works you know, and yeah. if there and if that good idea doesn't resonate with you, okay, there is an underlying trauma with you. What's wrong with you? Let's figure it out. Let's dig deeper. You know, maybe you were abused as a child. Maybe you had you're suffering in some way that's you know a bit of an anomaly. You know, um, because a lot of from what I understand, at least from what my parents tell me, it's like a lot of these like police officers, they're they're just like you know rallied up from like the orphanages and like. You know, the poorest part of town, yeah. they have no family, they have no status, no income, no nothing. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden they're given like materials and they're given a an authority figure and a place in like an authoritative part of society. And now they can inflict whatever trauma they want on the people. Yeah. So it's no, like you said, it's a vicious cycle. I think that they I, I think that's right. I think that's totally right. At least that's my understanding of what I've been told by people that know much more than me from insiders but i also think that there's what's driving that regime to be so vicious is 
is actually um it's not ideology in my opinion it's oh. a combination of two things greed and fear oh so absolutely a lot of people are just scared to death that if they if they let things change they're going to get killed and the other group own everything and they're like if we let things go it's also fear but we're going to be we're we're going to lose all our money and and maybe our lives and and mm -hmm. and but the greed for some people i believe that especially the top level sapa like um, irgc guys i think it's um i just think they sold their soul to the devil of money they're just like Probably. We don't care. You know, who cares? Let, let millions of people die. We're going to live in our villas and have our big homes and our kids are going to go and party hard in the West and no big deal. And and then if things really go downhill, well, that's fine. We'll fly out of the country with all the gold and whatever and and let the place burn. I, I do think that's their mentality. Probably. And, you know, Probably. but um, stupid. But I, just... I mean, I hope that that. Well, yeah. I mean, to be honest, I'd prefer they leave. And try to do a military takeover, which is my other big fear. Um, um, because, it's hard to say. I mean, uh, I mean, no one knows anything, right? That's that's my that's from what I've gathered. Nobody knows yeah. anything. Everyone is just playing it by ear, taking it day by day. No one. At the end of the day, you know, it's 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 the it's the young and the innocent that are being are on the front lines of this. And you know, anyone, you know, that that we can do to just kind of help them is good i mean i i the burden of responsibility that i feel as an iranian american living here is is just to bring attention to the mm -hmm. just to bring attention that's it because yeah. like you know in in this country the media just iran is unfortunately like at the bottom of the priority list but mm -hmm. we know like because of its wealth the powers that be want to exploit that so they want right. to keep the attention as minimal as possible my job is to not do that i'm gonna yeah. try to make as much noise in any mm -hmm. creative way i possibly can and you know i just feel like that's the best i can offer yeah you know? um well, i don't know if i'm doing the right thing i do not know i'm like everybody else i'm just figuring it out day by day and just leading with love you know leading with heart and leading with love and just letting that kind of be my guiding grace, you know, my guiding I think um, I remember saying to this Muslim American group that were grieving over these three um, graduate students down in a Duke or somewhere who were killed by this man. Um, I, I think it was a white man, um, American. And it was horrible. This was like maybe seven, eight, six, seven years ago. And I was speaking at this, this is when I was still teaching at a university. And I came to this event and, you know, and everybody was saying, oh, it's just, there's so much Islamophobia. The Americans don't care about us. They hate us. And I, I remember saying to them, I said, you know, um, yes, all that's true. Um, but there is a lot of, of racism and a lot of discrimination, a lot of stereotyping of Muslim Americans, and especially if they, you know, brown skin or they're wearing a hijab or something. But I said, there's also a, um, an issue we have to just address, which is Every one of you in this room is pressuring your kids to be a doctor or an engineer. Why aren't any of your children being like professional media and marketing and PR people and get into the media and start to control the narrative instead of just reacting to it all the time? And so like what you're doing with this, like the new Persian Times is beautiful title. It's it's slick. It, it has a double entendre to it. It's like, you know, it's so cool. And like the video you put out the other day, I'll tell you the one I didn't have a chance. I'm a little 
slow, unlike my wife and other people. But when I saw it, I was bawling like a baby. And I'm not ashamed of that. I'm a crier. I mean, I got that from my grandfather and he's one of the strongest and best men I ever met. And in still is, he's still alive. Thank God for that. But my first, my um, first guest on my podcast, we were talking yeah. about how much, how much crying we both do. And if, if you, if you only knew how much I cried making that, I mean, I, I cried as I shot it, like for like 10 minutes, I was like in tears. I don't know how I got the footage I got. I literally was just, just shooting and not even thinking. Yeah. I mean, and, sometimes you're blinded by tears, but you get some. It, I think those are the moments where we we become more human, you know. So yeah. when become, like when I saw, um, I think her, her name is um, Nicole Ansari, um, one of the oh, actors. She's great. When she hugged that really, really old woman. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I'm glad I caught were, that too. And that the woman's the tears are pouring down her face. It was like yeah. oh all the God. pain of generations just poured out of her and i thought yeah. this is success this is the power of art of, as protest and humanizing a movement that it's not it's not a bunch of numbers it's not just yeah. articles written in the new york times or wherever yeah. these are people these yeah. are people with families and generations and deep sadness and i think that's a big part of what um this movement can also bring is that kind of that healing that comes from just uh, having an outlet to actually express your emotion instead of just penting it up and feeling this simmering uh, helplessness and anger from it. And I, I, even for me, I've been so angry about the Middle East and an authoritarian government since Arab Spring and and then and the Green movements so from like 2009 until now. Yeah, yeah been, look how long that took. I'm I've like, been in, and I'm I'm you know I have no I guess essentially no stake in the game other than I just believe in humanity and humanitarian, and I love people and I have lots and yeah. lots and lots of friends from from the region and so for me I was just like so heartbroken for the people in syria and libya oh my and god Yemen syria and, yeah, and, 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 and on and on in bahrain and and iraq of course and iraq, iraq. and algeria and sudan and you know, never almost end? every country yeah. egypt right the you know they call themselves umadunya which means like the mother of the earth you know that's like they, they refer yeah. to egypt because egyptians are like very proud of their culture you know a lot like iranians and i think for them to like think they had won and then to totally lose yeah. it's just like um just like heartbreak after heartbreak and then people wonder why there's these like this emo strong emotion amongst a lot of people from the middle east i'm like well you know there are reasons right <laughs> there are lots of there are lots of like you know because it's such a warm and rich and and loving culture that pervades the region yeah. And yet the stereotype is wild-eyed terrorism and ISIS and yeah. Al-Qaeda and stuff like that. Yeah. And it just, I mean, I, I think I, it's, you know, that... Life is perspective, you know? And yeah. I, I think, unfortunately, in the West, you know, a, you know, especially the leaders, they turn a blind eye to it. And, and even the people, it permeates the people too. You know, people just want to turn a blind eye to it. It's not interesting, you yeah. know? It doesn't, you know... You know, it's, I mean, but then again, there's that, 
there's that old world. I mean, you could argue that this is a, a this is a story that resonates like thousands of years of human history, like out with the old and with the new. You know, like the whole David versus Goliath mythology it stems from you know the new world destroying the old world. And, mm -hmm. and at one point in human history, the Middle East was the cradle of civilization. And then when we embarked and we traveled west to the new the new world, you know, part of part of that new world is to shed the old world. You know, it's same with like, you know, like every every religious every religion that came to power. It's like, you know, Christianity came to overthrow paganism. You know, it's always like that new age destroying the old age. Mm -hmm. So this could be this, maybe this is something that can never be solved because it's so in, embedded in the DNA of the fabric of human society that it this is something that goes in our programming millions of years, you know. But yeah, yeah I think that you just brought up something that got, came to my mind. It's it's something I, I remember I, I talked about a lot with my. Um, a previous position I had, I was working for a nonprofit that was doing anti-human trafficking in Sudan and South Sudan. Lift wow. up the vulnerable. I'll give them a shout like, out. You're like, that's like, a, like, like some real, real. They're awesome. They're, that's an awesome organization. But I remember I was talking to some of those men and women who, who live there and they work there and they're, they're facing like tremendous challenges from traditional traditions mm. and culture and this, and they're also dealing with this like tension where they don't want to be just slaves again of colonialism. Yeah. And, and like, so there's this, this like feeling like we, you know, we have to like uh, still hold on to our tradition and what I would, and, and, and they're always struggling with people within their society who are saying, you guys are sellouts. You're working for the white man. You're working for the, the colonial. And I kept saying to them, but actually culture is never static. It's always yeah. changing. Yeah. And if you guys want to see your own culture change, you have you're the change makers. Yeah. You lead the way. Don't react to them. There are some things that as time goes on as humans, we realize, hey, maybe it isn't a good idea to eat each other. I'm not saying that's what they're doing there. But, right, right, right. You know, maybe it's maybe it's a good idea to like, you know, have some rule of law instead of just dog eat dog world. And you know, and like we would never say that like that at our own culture if we look closely at our own culture that it's actually ever stays the same so why no. not be the leaders of it right so in the case yeah. of iran it's the same thing it's like you know a new iran is not going to be the iran of like sirush and Dariush, and and there's nothing wrong with that yeah. <laughs> right it's still gonna have it can still have the best of those earlier yeah. waves of culture but the right. it can be the change maker for the region, yeah. honestly. Like yeah. I, I really believe that. But it's only if people are like willing to accept the true what is true, which is that culture is ever changing, just like humans are always evolving and changing. So, but that's the challenge, right? You got you you know you got people who are not willing to change in their own personal lives. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like I've changed so much in just like the past five years, you know, like I'm not even the same person that I was like seven years ago. And but you see, I'm aware of that. I'm present. I'm in my body. I'm in my you know, like I'm aware of like of my place here on in the cosmos on this planet, you know, moving through time, knowing I'm going to die. 
<laughs> you know, that's how I move. Like, I know I'm going to die. So what do I want to do? I want to just, I felt like the first 28 years of my life, I was just kind of like, you know, growing and in like a cocoon phase, you know, just like absorbing all this knowledge. Everything that I'm doing now is my wisdom in action, leading with love. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. And, you know, luckily I've developed enough experience to develop skills where I can do this quickly. Because right now uh, with everything that happened, I'm, I'm moving in a way with urgency in a way that I've never done before. So like I'm pushing out, like boom, 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 like just go, boom, just like quick, go, so let it go, just want it out. And I've never, and I'm, and I'm pushing through this with like the, the broken of, the most broken of hearts, you know, I'm grieving as I'm doing this, which is something that I've never, never done before. And yet I go outside, you know, it's like, everyone's just going about their lives, you know, it's That's so hard. weird. I think, isn't, so that the, weird. isn't that the hardest thing? Like, it's I so remember. weird. It's like, they don't have no, like I'm looking around, like people have no idea what is happening on the other side of the world right now that can totally change the, which is, I guess kind of unique. Cause I guess like, all right, because I do know, like I kind of have my finger on the pulse to kind of see what's coming. Yeah. But, I, I remember. It's just I would, so weird. I'm living. I remember when I was, yeah. Sorry to interrupt. I remember when I was in college and I went the first lengthy travel outside of the United States was to China. Um, it was a it was a a missions program because I went to a small Christian college and uh, and it had this thing called Red Box Missions. And it was like four students could compete to get an all expense paid. You chose where you went and you had to do some kind of service mission trip somewhere. And I chose I wanted to go to Egypt. And then mm -hmm. there was this attack on these tourists in Luxor in April 1999. And uh, the, the head of the program at the college was like, nope, you're done. Pick somewhere else. And I was like, well, all right, I'll go to China. So I went to like, like and it was, and I remember them telling us, you know, you're going to come back and you're going to experience, you're going to go there and you're going to experience culture shock. And yeah. you're going to come back and you're going to, you're going to experience reverse culture shock because you're going to be like, Look at all these fat, rich Americans that don't get, don't give a crap about the rest of the world. And you know what? It happened. I was bitter and I was judgmental and I was looking around. And I think that's the same thing you're describing is like, it's such a challenge to be like charitable to people and understand that they just don't know unless we tell them, right? Unless we kind of find a way to communicate it in a way they understand, which kind of like goes full circle to what we were saying at the beginning of the conversation was that's such a big challenge though, because you're trying to pull people, especially now. I mean, that was 20 some years ago. Now it's kind of like everybody's attention is, is five seconds long and it's pulled by their, by this, right. <laughs> by their phone or by television or by the internet or something. And so it's even harder to grab attention yeah. and to keep it for more than a brief moment is, is um, even is, is really hard. I mean, like, there was, it's not like Syria is great now, right? But, uh, so you know, or it's not, like Dar, it's not like Darfur is like awesome. But yeah. back in 2005, you had Brad Pitt and everybody where I saved Darfur and Clooney and these guys. Then a couple of years later, it's like uh, on to the next, you know, weird crisis somewhere else in another part of the world that, you know, is exotic. But, um, you know, I mean, that's part of our like modern human 
um, struggle. It, yeah, it's it's. You know? I think there just needs to be a, a new innovative way to kind of keep keep things interesting. I mean, keep the public's interest in in certain things, and it's hard to target people's humanity because it's not easy doing that. You know, I and I look at my own my own life. I mean, it took me. Well, I'm 38 now. And just now I'm just starting to wake up to the reality of like, okay, well, like now that it's, it's weird when it happens to everyone else, it could even happen, like even with Iraq or Afghanistan, like it didn't hit me until yeah. it happened to Iran. And I was like, whoa, hold right. up, <laughs> hold up, you know? And you know, what it. I would love to see, I would love to say, see a, a time in a human history when the only time where you don't hear about a country is it's like no news is good news and actually have that be true. You yeah. know, like I wish that I could say, ah, oh, you know, I'm not hearing anything about Iraq anymore. That must mean that country is thriving. Wrong. That country's a mess. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Afghanistan. Oh, I just, you know, it would be great if I could be like, oh, the Afghanis are like becoming another like hub of civilization, like back when they built those massive Buddhas. Right? Yeah. But nope. Just the news today. Uh, Taliban guy said we're not going to let any women go to gyms anymore and then I was like oh so basically it's still a tragedy in slow motion yeah. and we're just not hearing about it so it's kind of like in our minds it doesn't exist because we don't hear about it but out of sight out of mind but that's just simply not true and but you know is it realistic to expect every human to be able to track everything happening in the entire world. It, it, no, no, it's not. Right? No, because our brains are our brains. We're not evolved for that. Right. You no, know, we're not evolved to we're not gods, we, right? Yeah, we're not. <laughs> you know, we're not our our minds aren't capable of that. And even so, be overwhelming. Even the whole concept of climate change is like overwhelming for some people, you mm -hmm. know? And you know, the only way to do that is to really just shape your little your little world that we're in and to be able to control it as much as you can and that's really yeah. the, the best you can do yeah. and granted some people network where they have a larger group of circles where they have a larger uh you know i guess collective of influence of over them to kind of maybe get the message across yeah. but, you know and even that poses a challenge because people spend a lifetime doing that too and believe me you know like people smarter and more richer than us try to get maybe get it done and for all we know and it's probably a reason why maybe timing is everything too you know yeah maybe maybe you know maybe the time was just this was the catalyst that was needed so it's 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 hard to say but going back one, to what you were saying with yeah. the travel thing my 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 friend ravi and shout out to ravi love this guy he's one of my one of my good friends i call him my big brother he he's traveled to over 70 countries and one of mm -hmm. the things that he said i posted it on my um my other account he was like if you could take a child of like before 18 and you just take the child and, you know, let him travel to like anywhere in the world, like Beirut, Cambodia, you know, or even to Syria or even Iran, you know, um, it's education through experience, mm -hmm. you know, and then they will get a lifetime of wisdom and character development and just getting a different perspective on the reality that they thought they knew you can't even call them ignorant because they don't even know mm -hmm. you know like so for you it was a china for me it was europe when i was 18 i went to london italy france and i was just blown away and mm -hmm. i was like wow i i want to be a citizen of the world and yeah. the same thing happened to you and you know this is what 
makes worldly people. And yeah. it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing to take in before we leave this earth, see as much of it as we can. Yeah. As long as you actually take time to talk to the people while you're there, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, that's absolutely. the other thing is like, yeah. If you go just at the tourist mentality, you probably won't change much. Yeah, no, and that's not what yeah. I mean. I'm not talking about. But I know, I know what you meant. Hose, you know, yeah. just like you know, hotel hopping. I mean, like that's all fun yeah. too. Like, believe me, I love a right. good time. But you know, balance it out with like you know, go yeah. go go explore. Like, I love adventures, so I'm like, yeah, I'll stay at a nice resort. I'm like, yo, where's like the bad areas? Let's go there. Not much much to the chagrin of my wife. Yeah. Yes, same. I, same lived, I lived in Antigua for medical school and like my parents heard this to probably get very weird, but like I almost died like twice. <laughs> <laughs> now they are going to hear. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I went to out, like a real right? sketch part of town, like unbeknownst <laughs> to me. And yeah, it was really rough. But yeah it was I mean, fun though i have like a cool story for it you know you know another thing is that a lot of times there's places that have the reputation of being rough they're actually not rough they're just working people who oh, yeah. are just actually sometimes the most nice sweetest best people oh yeah um, i went to colombia yeah. like three times already and it's like one of the most beautiful countries i've ever been to yeah so beautiful i had some Food amazing and times in like the southern suburbs of Beirut, which if you read the New York Times, it's Hezbollahistan, you know? Yeah, yeah. But I have some people, I've stayed in people's houses. I sat on their roofs. We, you know, smoked uh, hookah. Nice. And, and like just talk, told jokes and stayed up all night. And those are some of the most beloved memories I have in my life. And it was like the place that was considered like yeah, super dangerous. But, yeah. you know, it, was, it wasn't, right? One, one one thing I've learned is never, never take every media from with a grain of salt, everything with a grain of salt. I mean, the reading the news is not education. Yeah, it's not education. Right. It's just it's just like just kind of keeping tabs on like maybe what's going on with regards to conflict. But if you really want to get a big picture perspective, read as many as you can and then take a step back and then learn by actually going there and seeing the people, talking to people, as get as many perspective as possible. And even then, you're not going to see the full picture. The hard part with journalism and news is that I feel like I mean, humans have become lazy and they want the journalists to tell them what the news means. And the journalists have become commentators instead of actually just reporting news. Yep. They're commenting on it. And then we trust their authoritative voice, but I'm very skeptical of that. I think that's not the role of a journalist at all. And no, the art of journalism is dead. Yeah. It's been dead for a while. Right. And and it's amazing. And it's, and it's no surprise that two beating hearts standing in the same room and having a long in-depth conversation uh, with river in, in like podcast forums have become like the new platform for like, learning yeah and that's yeah. and that's where we are right now so right that's uh, okay that's good because it's basically a virtual version of like having a human experience with people like it, it, I, is, feel, it is i feel like you could be sitting right next to me right now yeah. and it would be the same you know well well i mean well this also goes back on our history right so in the early 1920s like when when caffeine started to make its way back into like the masses you know, coffee shops were a thing and they used to call them penny universities. So for a penny, you used to get a cup of joe and you would have a conversation with all different types of people, intellectuals, aristocrats, commoners, working class, and they would debate the issues of the time. 
and it would get crowded, it would get noisy. So for a penny, you would get the wealth and knowledge of the world at a coffee shop because it's a long form discussion, mm-hmm. you know, and this is, this is how progress is made. Yeah. Fortunately with the world now with the media, everything is a soundbite because of commerce, you know, commerce is now infiltrated. They just care about ad revenue clicks and stuff. Mm-hmm. So therefore mm-hmm. there's no room for a long, long dialect yeah. or long conversation to converse about ideas and emergent truths to arise. They don't have that, 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 that doesn't exist. So you have people starving, (laughs) starving for this type of content. And, you know, there's some people who do a great job doing it and people who've been doing it longer than most, but I've always, I've always been an admirer of that. So, and now you look at the coffee shops today, no one's talking to each other. Mm -hmm. You know what they're doing? Scroll, 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 scroll. Yeah. Everyone is just kind of like, you know, I mean, you'll have a few conversations here and there, but you know, I would love to see what these like coffee shop penny universities used to be like, you know, like you yeah. would see like a, a a professor at Oxford going in there for like a coffee, just relaxing. And then he's like having a conversation with like a homeless man, educating him. And then you'll have some like rich entrepreneur, like just bouncing off ideas, arguing, you know, I mean, this is how the founding fathers created our country. So it's just bouncing ideas and not everyone's going to agree. And that's okay. I feel like that uh, up until pretty recently, Middle East actually kind of preserves that more than more than we have. Like I re- I, I remember like having these really long conversations with people and like getting real heated about all kinds of things, religion, politics, yeah. everything that we're not supposed to talk about in America was like they're like how much money do you make and what's your religion and you know are you Democrat or Republican or whatever it was? And it was like, I was just like, all right, well, if we're going to go there, we're going to go there. And then we, ha- and then those are some people I'm still friends with today, 20 years later. Yeah. Like, yeah. and that's the, the, to make, to make your point. I mean, I, I totally agree. That's, that's the only thing that can save us from, I think, losing our humanity is those interpersonal relationships and making the effort to do them. Um, no, for sure. And so far, I mean, like the people I've met since, since october 1st since the beginning like of these like i met some really nice people like real like you and you're you yourself included man very nice people i feel the same way i I have to tell you these these people that i've been like really you know going all these protests i mean i was never an activist i i hate i hate the word i don't call myself that and i just i'm but like these are my people now like i show up these events and they're like Hey Robert, blah blah blah. Not one day yeah. today. One of the one of my co-conspirators in the Women Life Freedom Move in New York. We were, she was joking and saying, "Ah, here he comes. Here's the like the 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 protest DJ." Because I'm toting <laughs> my like you know suitcase speaker along, blasting Baraya, and and I was like, I never, I'm not a sound tech guy, but you know what? Yeah, I don't mind. It's fun. It's a good time. It's, and it's- somebody always takes control of the bluetooth next thing you know the people are dancing and it's like yeah i mean yeah it's it's like kind of like almost like uh its own it's a growing community and i think that's uh, there's something it it's like um there's a very famous uh british christian writer named c.s lewis and he wrote a book um called surprised by joy and it's a beautiful book and um it's uh you know it's about his faith but i feel like that's me with this movement you know, I was so sad. I was so angry and sad. And now I'm still 
angry and and i still shed tears every day at this vicious cruel regime and what they're doing to people Mm -hmm. but i also have this like tremendous joy i remember my wife and i were marching down the street toward times square that day and and i felt i looked at her and she had this look of like determination on her face and i was like yeah here we go here goes the you know like we're we're going we're going and and um you know it's just there's some beautiful thing it's a it really is a beautiful thing i mean you know every 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 culture um you know from like black lives matter to like women's march i mean we now it's our time yeah now it's our time you know it's our time and And iranians are also so stinking nice (laughs) you know like they're just so nice that's the other thing oh yeah (laughs) It's they're very extremely hospitable. I would love to see Iran free, and have like the tourism. I would. I just want to get. I would love to see the tourism. I'm sure they would win oh. every award like ever because the hospitality there. <laughs> every single person that goes to Iran is going to come back like fifty pounds heavier. Oh, for sure. <laughs> we we're going we're going to come in like 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 sticks and you know come out rolling. Like yeah, with that shakam, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so yeah, I know. Yeah. It, it that's a that's the dream. That's my like deepest desire, and that's why I'm so committed to this movement. Is because I just you know it's like you know too much. You know how good people are, and how nice people can be, and how hospitable, and how generous, and how filled with poetry and life and dance. Like dance is so huge. Yeah, dance is a big deal. You know, yeah. like everybody knows how to dance. Any every single Iranian, not everyone. Ah, no, you might I know a few two left-footed Persians, man. That's well, <laughs> uh, let's say this: everybody gives it their best shot, and that's they try. Like they try. The most, they you try. Know? Like that, it makes me like encouraged. I was like never much of a dancer first like, into my twenties, but now I'm like, get out there and rare and do the whole deal. You know, <laughs> just let it go. Wow. You know. I've I always just, been I've always been a dancer, always. And and people know. <laughs> people know. Yeah. You just gotta play Michael Jackson, Billy Jean, and you watch right. that. <laughs> One of the best songs of all time. Yeah. In my opinion. But it's, uh yeah, it's, no, really, it's, it's really funny. Speaking of dance, there was this video I came across recently. You probably gotta laugh at this. There is and it's it's an older video. It's like a it's an old home movie of like Iran in like 91, 93. Mm. And you see like it's nothing but like a curtain, a room full of like women and like the chador, you know, like mm-hmm. sitting on the floor. And you see that this guy in this like denim jacket with like an American flag on it with like glasses. And he's they're break and they, him and his buddy are break dancing. It's like <laughs> it's such it's such like the 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 duality. The it's just so like that was Iran, you know. It's like yeah. if you could encapsulate who what is Iran, like that is it. Yeah. You know? And like they're break dancing in front of like oh, oh. <laughs> it's so funny. That's what I was saying to like somebody. I said, "Look, all people, all we need to do to communicate to non-Iranian Americans how how great um, Iranian people are is just go party with them one time. Oh yeah, and forget it. Oh, they're yeah. party Come animals. Our parties, yeah. <laughs> we know how to party. We definitely know how to party, and and they go a long time. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I definitely and that and I love parties. I love yeah. parties, you know. Um, I don't know any Iranians that don't. It's like 
you just like it you you can't leave once you're there you don't have any choice yeah <laughs> and then the goodbyes always last like two hours too yeah, so, yeah. even when the party is trying to be over it's not really over that's something i've never i've never i'm still uh learning and i'm probably gonna be a lifetime is tarot i just can't i just you know i just oh, it's so hard let me tell you something i'm i i cannot stand tarot i do not yeah. like it. i'm <laughs> not i'm not one of those people like I do not do that. I, You're I actually lose all your podcast rude. viewers. <laughs> yeah, I actually think it's very rude. I don't think it's it's, it's a dishonest. It's a dishonest. It's very dishonest. Uh, just yeah. I feel like it's like um, it's just it, yeah. Maybe it's dishonest, but I think the perspective from that side that I've been able to see is that it's more like I just don't want to hurt your feelings, so I'm just gonna like. Yeah, but that's okay. That's it. like. <laughs> like, like, come on, like, there's, all right, so let me, let me make this clear. It, there's a difference in, get, you know, tarofing in like a genuine way where you're like, you know, you really mean well, and you do it maybe like one or twice, you know, three times max. But then like after three times, and you're insisting, 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 <laughs> just to see if I could take this bait, because I know the kind of game you're trying to play with me. It's like, enough of that you know like you don't need to do that you know i'm like, a i'm a i'm notorious in my family for um not understanding tarot and eating an entire plate of mirza kasumi one time <laughs> like because they were like please eat before my before my yeah, eat. Yeah. i was like all right i'm eating and yeah then all of a sudden they turned around and they were like what I was like, oh, so and then and then you know what they're talking, they're talking <laughs> shit in the kitchen. Like, this guy knows how to fucking eat. <laughs> it was more like it was more like, how dare you not how tear off back? And I was like, <laughs> I don't understand. And now I'm like, you know, learn the hard way, but yeah, um, it's yeah. it was yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, I thought for me, I'm I love like I love learning about other cultures and learning other languages, yeah. and like yeah. it's so rich and that and I and I I think I inherited this from my family. It's just like I laugh at myself a lot because oh, me too. I think you just can't yeah. take life too serious. You can't take you yourself can't. Too, too seriously. Definitely not. Definitely not. Life is too short. Smile, live, love, yeah. and dance. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, sure. did, did you want to you want to talk at all about t- today's event? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah, I did. I mean, we kind of whole thing kind of got sidetracked, but it's all right. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there's, um, and I don't think this is a bad thing at all, but there's like a number of different New York's and New Jersey area, Iranian communities. And one of them is this, um, artists and, uh, younger art, mainly kind of art. And I think scientist, um, called Faryad association and, they um, organized a protest at UNICEF headquarters in, in at three United Nations Plaza, which is right there in Midtown, mm-hmm. in front of their building, their high rise. To um, and they had a picture of every single child below the age of twenty who's been killed since this. And and they included and I I'm glad they did this. They also included the ch- child victims that were on the PS752 flight oh, that the Iranian wow. government shot down, and they had um. And they they we we came there and we held their pictures and we chanted, and it was a little different than the other events I've been to because it was like, at one point they had a modification to woman life freedom. They said children life freedom, which I oh, thought was that's, really that's interesting, really powerful because wow. and they, they read they read the names of all the victims twice, 
and wow. they and they took all the pictures which are on eight by eleven poster board, and they delivered them up to the headquarters office up up top, and they told and uh, the the idea of course was the that UNICEF is you know its motto is uh, something like every child counts. I'm I'm sorry, I'm paraphrasing, yeah, yeah. but it's something like that. Like every right. child's life is important, yeah. and so they were they were saying, well, look, this is your motto, then please put pressure on this regime and condemn their, their actions because they've killed something like 50 children, right? Oh Under the age of 20. And, you know, and who knows how that that's just what we know. Um, and, you know, we know the average age of imprisonment since the beginning of this revolution has been, is it 17 years old or less average? Yeah. So yeah. that means there's like, you know, I saw a cartoon of a, a, a caricature of one of these uh, Sepahi guys with a uh, handcuffs and he was holding the wrist of a little kid. And he was saying in Persian, Hey, I'm sorry, the, the handcuff, we need smaller handcuffs. It was a sad, it was a ridicule of him, but right. I mean, there's so much truth to that. And it's, oh and God. it's a horrible truth. It's outrageous. So I was, I was shaken up. I sat in the car after that and I cried it, it cause I looked at the video I, I took and oh. I just, you know, cause I was taking the video thinking more about capturing it when yeah. I went back and watched it. And I was looking at each one of those beautiful faces smiling with their beautiful Persian eyes mm -hmm. and just happy. And now they're not here and they're never going to be here. And their life was cut short for no reason. And this is just to me, <sighs> like it was one, I mean, every one of these protests has been a deeply moving yeah. and, 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 uh, but I think that, all that anger I just expressed, it, it's real. But what I'm determined to do is just re reposition that anger into action every yep. time. And I encourage every single Iranian and non-Iranian to watch this stuff and don't look away. Do not look yeah. away because this could be your kid. That's the thing. If that message gets out to Americans, they should be coming out in, in millions in support of the Iranian people. You would think. You would I think. Mean, I, I just I, don't I, think, you know, they just, I just, I really don't think they know. I do. I don't, I, I want to believe that, you know, I want to believe that. Even if they do know, Rob, it's very difficult to motivate people to take action. Very yeah. difficult. I mean, you yeah. have people more, right after our, right after the Iran protests, I watched in the square park, you know, there was a, a birds, birds aren't real protest. Have you heard of this? <laughs> yes, and I, I am laughing with ridicule. Yeah, so well, you know, anybody that believes in it. No, no, but you know, it's, it, you so you know, it's like a sat. It's a satire. It's yeah, it's not, but people yeah. show up to these things like right. it's kind of, you know, they kind of fall in line with the joke, and they right. But <laughs> that that campaign has garnered more more of a yeah. following than like real causes and like i yeah. thought to myself that is america you got to trick it we have to trick it yeah you yeah. have to be able to you know pull a fast one on them and just kind of get them to think okay so if i'm lighthearted on this channel for whatever reason it's maybe because maybe that's the reason why i'm lighthearted. maybe to just kind of get them pull them pull get their interest well, you know, they, yeah, nobody wants to constantly go to something and come away bawling and, and, and depressed. Right. But yeah, I mean, there's I mean, hope. This is what I, this is what I, I really, 
emphasized in that first speech I gave and I'll, every other opportunity I ever have to say anything again, I'm always going to say this. I'm going to say it right now. Please, which is, means, when, is when Hadith Nejafi, the girl that was famous for having tied her hair behind her back and had her glasses on and she walked towards this protest and died, was shot six times or more, and her parents were brutalized and like they weren't allowed to even grieve at their own daughter's tomb and see her in the hospital and they lied to her about her death and all this stuff but that selfie video she took when she was walking there and she said in persian i'm so happy i'm going to this protest because some years from now when everything has changed i will be know that i was a part of it yeah to me that is like the epitome of hope she yeah. went to her death with hope and that that hope it rose up and more and more people saw her courage, yeah. but it wasn't, it wasn't naivete because she said in years from now, she knew yeah. that this yeah. is a long struggle for victory. And she went there at the age of 20 and gave her life for that. And it, to me, that is like, that's more, that's as inspiring as any American story of patriots from the founding fathers or the civil war or the, the Gettysburg address, but it's the same message as the Gettysburg it's the address. It's, it's exactly the same. the same thing. It's like, we can have a, just like Lincoln was saying, we can have a better union. She was saying we can have a better Iran and we will, and we're yeah. going to do it. And I'm going to look back and I'm never going to regret it because I was a part of it. Yeah. To me, that is just a tremendous message of hope. And then that's the same thing I have in my heart. And that's what my wife has. I want to, I'm telling everybody that I've been lucky enough to be a part of with and been welcomed into, you know, despite how I look. And I've been telling every one of them, every person I met, I said, someday, and I don't say, I hope I say someday we're all going to sit on the, in a nice restaurant, looking out over the Caspian sea, yeah. eating caviar, oh. swimming in the, in the, in the ocean, eating white fish and enjoying life and laughing and wearing whatever we want and not even thinking about having the sepulchrum running in and bust up the party yeah. or having any fear. We yeah. will do that. Yeah. And I just think that's the mindset we, that we have to have. It's like, and yes, more people are going to die. More people are going to be tortured. More women are going to be yeah. raped in jail. All this terrible stuff. Oh more God. kids are going to die. All that stuff's going to happen. <sighs> but it's like you can't. We can't go back now because no, no, it's yeah. like that yeah. regime is greedy and scared. And so when you corner a greedy and scared animal, what do they do? It's they bite. Oh, attack. It's so attack. that's what they're doing. And we have to know this and be realistic. It's like the Germans when they were fooled by Hitler and caught up in mob mentality, you know, and the Japanese, man, they fought to the finish. It took the second atomic bomb before they were willing to even imagine something that nobody could imagine could kill that many people. And they still weren't willing to give up. So like, I think that the Iranian regime is, um, it's a system that creates monsters, but if it's the system that's creating the monsters and not people themselves that are monsters, that means there's hope. There's always hope. And I do believe in that. And that there are a lot of Iranians living in that country who are scared. And they, I wouldn't even say they made a deal with the devil. I think they're just survival mode. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, if you can't get it, like if you're a professor at a university 
and you can't get tenure unless you post in a Facebook group your love for Khamenei, even if you hate him in your heart, but you have a wife and kids like some people I know. You're going to post that because you want to be able to feed your kids. Yeah. I mean, these are the horrible choices that the system has set up and created for Iranian people. And I think having that empathy for those that are living there and are, you know, regime sympathizers, I don't think a lot of them are. I really No, believe. they're not true believers. No, they're not true believers. A no. lot like even even my 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 first guest, Donish, he was really cool. He was he even said, like, you know, when you see people chanting like death to dictator, you know, it's like they're they're saying it on, on, with the, you know in front of the camera with a gun under the camera. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, these yeah. are people being held hostage. Right. I, what, I they very, drag, very yeah. They I drag don't, people I don't out of their house. Like a true believer of this, everyone is just kind of falling in line and just obeying orders, following authority, obeying, and it's start and it's starting to crack. The, the you know, like I said, the ground is shifting beneath their feet. It's starting to crumble. People oh, are waking yeah. up. And people I think it's more than starting. I think it's full on revolution now. I mean, the curtain of, like you said earlier, the curtain or the, the, the fear that, that, that bear fear barrier has been passed. Like when you get to the point where you're arresting an 85 year old father of genetics in Iran and throwing him in jail, when you, that regime signed their own death warrant when they start persecuting old people, because frankly, if there's one thing I do know about Persian culture, it's there's a yeah. high level of respect for your Don't elders. mess with the old elderly. And so like as far even even the killing of kids <laughs> can't compete with that level of like like attacking the people that are the most respected in your society mm-hmm. is like that's a sign of desperation. And I think when these people of all different um, levels in society and places in the country, different ethnicities, different social classes, labor movements, students, non-students, old, young, or out on the streets and keep going and doing all kinds of types of resistance of all types like they're doing now. It's over for that regime. It's just a matter of time. But it, uh, we have to just steal ourselves and find these kind of jokes and times. And that's why I love what you're doing. Like you got to we do have to laugh. Like sometimes you have to laugh or else you cry, right? Are and- you kidding me? I I laughed for the past. I, I was scrolling through comedy skits just because I have to. Oh yeah. I have to. I've, I've been crying and bawling for the past four days making that video. And that's why I went to that Joe Brani and, and it was Tehran and Joe Bra- Maz Joe Brani together. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, I purposely, you know. I got the front seat. I was the guy. I, I, I got it on video, purpose because yeah. I wanted to be roasted. And guess what? My dream came true. Nice. I was. What they say? Oh, what they say? Rob, here he is. He can walk to the airport, no problem. But this guy, he's getting like <laughs> strip searched you know, every time. You know, it was, I mean, it was all that, and I was, I was in heaven because I, you know, because I don't, I don't take myself that seriously. Yeah. I get dead serious about a lot of stuff, and I'm yeah, very no, passionate. Very passionate. You, but like, I was loving it. I was just like, I. I getting roasted by Maz Gibrani was like a any 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 like Maz is Maz is a he's he's he seems very nice he's like a polished he's he seems like the Persian Seinfeld in my opinion like he's very clean cut very polished very yeah. you know like his jokes are very clean Tehran was very edgy real edgy I like a dirty raunchy oh. offensive comic like Tehran a was amazing he yeah. came in there and he said he he dropped the bomb on the crowd and he knew he was going to he was like I want to tell you guys, 
I hate Fess in June. And he got booed. Booed. <laughs> and, and he told and he didn't care. He's like, I don't care. I said what I said. And I and but he, <laughs> but, he but he speaks fluent Persian. Yeah. yeah. Half I think I think I think he's half African American and half Persian. I half believe like so, Iranian. Yeah. I met him once. He's a nice and guy. He's he is so cool. And he really cool he guy. was he was real edgy. But I I mean um I'll talk to him I, see to get him on here too. It'll be fun. I'll tell you, I hope you do. That there that it was uh, <laughs> he, he came out and he didn't say a word about it, but he was wearing a sweatshirt that had free tomage on it. Oh yeah. Oh, my and God. um and I'll tell you, that man is a hero. Yeah. He literally wrote one of the harshest, nastiest um, cursing out of Khamenei. And he oh, said, yeah. he said, I know that I'm going to get killed for this. And all I want you guys to do is make sure you bring my body out of that prison. And he handed over his social media control to somebody outside of the country. So they couldn't hijack it like they did with Shervin Hajipur and with Al-Naz Rikabi. You know, but everybody in Iran knows that that was just what they had to do. And nobody judges the guy that wrote baraya you know my god such a beautiful song i wake I up mean, every day now i love all of it he has a bunch of other songs yeah, he's so, really good he's a he's, good artist and that's just the perfect example it's kind of like how i would like kind of yeah. say about the whole conversation is like persian culture is beautiful and there is so much richness and depth to the poetry mm. and that's the other thing satire and making fun of this regime yeah. is critical oh yeah. yes we should make fun of every one of them and insult them because they guess what dictators have no sense of humor they never do no, they're like the most anti-fun fucking people in the world man <laughs> so like you know it's like the best thing we can do is be laughing in their face all the time because yeah. it shows them that they have no power over us of course not right? i mean yeah it's just it's just messed up people but you know anyway. what yeah i i feel like we definitely went over and uh we went on a lot of tangents but it's always fun talking to you man i can do this yeah. for like hours you know i want to shout out give make sure i give a shout out to women life out. freedom nyc um women life freedom nyc know, that's a group that i've been most invested in um over the last six weeks and it's vast majority of them are these super passionate and super skilled iranian women iranian american women that are just rocking it i mean they're killing they're it. they're doing they're killing it and, and are, anybody that watches this please go and watch any video you can find about that protest performance last that happened on saturday because such a beautiful performance that a lot of such work went into that behind the scenes and a lot of effort and a lot of volunteer time and i'll tell you it was it was a beautiful experience to be a part of and i'm just I I love being a part of that community. And yeah. um they're, you know, they're they're uh you know, they put up some of the cross-cultural differences sometimes, and um, but they also really they do respect me and I respect them so much. And I Absolutely. just I think that we're building something, and I've seen so many other groups just like them all across the country are doing the oh, same yeah. thing. Yeah. So, so, you know, there's a woman life freedom DC. They reached out to me. <laughs> I so, mean, it's I an like, amazing, wow, look at this. This is so beautiful. I mean, <laughs> it's it's uh, you know, there's a movement happening, and good. I hope it's just I like hope it continues to go. I mean, we need to yeah, don't don't up. be discouraged, don't give up hope, people. Do not let the winter set in and just hide away in your homes. Like, 
the Iranian people are going to be out there on the streets and we got to amplify their voices. We have to and do it well. And like, you know, make sure we actually amplifying their voices and not imposing on them our own American issues too. Yeah. Right. Because at the end of the That's day, yeah. they it's, they have to be empowered, not yeah. to become another dependency of someone else. Right. Even, mm -hmm. even us, right. Most likely I'm not going to spend any permanent time living in Iran. So what right do I have to tell them how yeah. to construct a new society? Not really, <laughs> not much. I just want them to have the opportunity. Yeah. You know, they need to have the opportunity. So that's the my best, dream, you know? Yeah, the best, the best I think we can do on the outside is really to just maybe like offer suggestions. And then other than that, they, they're, they're the decision maker. But I mean, this is, this is so early in the game to even discuss like the restructure of a new government of a whole new country. I mean, that's going to be like maybe years down the road if this fight continues. And, but we're still yeah. in like, the first phase of this whole thing. And I'm the still, part of this I, first phase. I'll be honest though. I think about that stuff a lot because that's my area of what I used to do was political economy of the Middle East and of Iran and history and constitutionalism and all this stuff. So yeah. I'm thinking a lot about it, but I, I know there's way smarter people than me that are also thinking about it. And I encourage them, you know, get their voice, get your voices in the ring, get those ideas out there, throw lots of ideas on the table. Well, that's the whole point of a renaissance, yeah. right? The whole point yeah. of a renaissance is to be able to have these ideas, you know, kind of bubble, bubble up together and kind of see what, what works. I believe in the Iranian people. I'll tell you, there's so much, there's more PhDs from Iran that are held by Iranian people than there are any other people in the world except for i think J japanese and americans and i think probably half the american phds are iranian americans yeah <laughs> so like yeah. there's plenty of brain power to to rebuild that country nobody oh, should worry about that oh they don't sure. need they don't need a cowboy flying in there and being like mission accomplished you know they'll they'll accomplish <laughs> i'm sorry i couldn't help it i'm still holding a little <laughs> grudge against george w i know i don't want to get into politics too much but you know, I, my best one of my best friends in Iraqi and and you know I saw his life collapse from that but whatever the point is the Iranians are going to be the ones that are going to say mission accomplished and they will accomplish it I'm sure uh, of that but Omida Azadi exactly yeah Omid Varam but more than you know Omid is like is is everything yeah. <laughs> that's it yeah so well, rob thank you so much for the time it's always a pleasure hopefully uh you know we'll we'll dive into more like analytics and all that sort of stuff and the next one maybe but i'm just starting this thing we'll see where it goes i think you're doing god's work man just keep it going this is like what it's all about is just thank get you. the conversations going and 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 uh building relationships between all of us and the more we can do that the stronger we'll be against them that's exactly why I'm doing this. Um, by all means, give my best to the, to the girls, your wife. Um, you know, definitely, uh, you know, send send the women life freedom ladies my my regards. And, you know, by all means, talk to whoever's willing to kind of come over here and have a discussion. You know, I'd love to have one of them on here, too. I mean, I think there I, I think there's plenty of people that have a lot to say. <laughs> I'm sure. I, mean, I know. And I'm sure. So, I mean, this is why I created this. I created this and for for everybody, everybody. So, yeah, everybody has different experience. Everyone and, has a different different thing to bring to the yeah. table. I'm curious, so I just I like I love people. I love having conversations. I like, you know, you know, uh, formulating new relationships and just getting different perspectives. I mean, that's that's ultimately why I did this. So, yeah. Well, 
I, I admire that. And I'm glad you have the skill to, to pull it off too. Thank you. I'm trying to do it with my own unique flair. I'm going to add some house music to this later. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. You can do, you can like find a picture of me and then make it like the one with the legs kick out and, you know, <laughs> you know, like I'll try <laughs> one, one, one last, one last question. I think I'm, I'm going to have to be more like structured with these, with these things. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask uh, one, one question at the very end of it. What's your favorite Persian dish? Oh, gourmet sabzi all the way. Sabzi, okay. Yeah, yeah, no question. I'm a meat guy, and um, and uh, yeah, I I just love it. I love it. All right, good to know. Yeah. I think I'm gonna end every interview with that one. Yeah, that's that's mine. No, no, no. That's that's a go-to. Okay, cool. <laughs> good to know. Now I'm now I'm craving gourmet sabzi. <laughs> I'm telling you. Yeah, come over sometime. My wife is. Dude, amazing I, I would love that. I really would love that. We'll definitely, yeah. we'll definitely talk more and we'll plan that out for sure. I would love that. Sounds to good. All right, buddy. We'll continue right. this. Thanks, Andy. Keep it going. Ciao, ciao, buddy. All right. Talk soon. Bye.